CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, July 6th is just moments away. But before we do this, let's thank our sponsor. Sponsors like SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor sponsors, the Chicago Teachers Union, our sponsors, brand new sponsors. It's pretty cool. And the Chicago Reader, chicagoreader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, so much more, including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky and the guest that I'm about to reach out to right now, Maya Tukmasova. Yeah, it's crazy. And they have a first Tuesday show tonight. That's me passing out. (laughs) Wake up. All right. Yeah. Uh, ChicagoReader.com. Check it out. Subscribe. And if you want to help out this program, you can. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. J-O-R-A. V as in victory. S-K-Y. There you can become a binhead. What happened, Ben? Did you drop something? I'm just telling what they could do. Money, money, money. Oh, he's pulling out that. Uh, all right, all right. Money, money. That's one dollar. Okay. <laughs> the Ben Jarofsky show starts now. It is Tuesday, July sixth, and live from my apartment in his attic. This is the Ben Jarofsky show. Today on the program, our Chicago Reader colleague, Maya Dukmasova, returns and also making his return, Vincent E. Normand. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here calling this Sex and Schools Tuesday, and here's why. Great weekend. You have a good weekend, D? Uh, yeah, it wasn't bad. Hey, Maya, you're... Um, your headphones or something. It's creating some kind of feedback. There she goes. Come on. She's a millennial. She's there been down go. this road. You don't have to tell her more than once. Okay. She's fixing it and getting everything ready. Yes. Maya took myself up. be joining us really soon. Had a great weekend. I want to give a shout out to Cap and Deb for the 4th of July barbecue. They threw D. Uh, Cap's old school like me, born in the 50s. Kept putting on great songs from the 60s and 70s. Marvin Gaye, Funkadelics, et cetera, and so forth. And it's funny. We had a youngster there. Shout out to J-Dub. He's from the 90s. He's kind of your generation, D. And he's like, man, where's the hip-hop? <laughs> oh, he sounds really young. <laughs> I'm not doing him any justice. <laughs> he was like, oh, my God, not another old song. And then so when things like that happen, D, I turn into just like Steve Harvey. You know what I'm saying? And I'm like, I'm not rich and fabulously successful. Not that way, unfortunately. <laughs> just the grumpy old man. Let me tell you something, kid. This is good music. This is when music was music. We're warning millennials this will happen to you. Yes, suddenly one day you're going to be old like me. And you realize that your time is not this time. And the time is filled with other youngsters who make fun of you. And you'll be like, you know, back in my day. And you sound like your parents. Even as you swear up and down that you don't want to sound like your parents. Case in point. 
Today's Sun Times, my beloved bright one, home delivered as always. Here's the headline, ladies and gentlemen, which I know you can't see because we don't have video. I don't know why I still show it. Old habits are hard to break, D. Headline, and my beloved bright one, you know these headline writers knew what they were doing. They threw this baby on the front page. Quote, new program puts free condoms in nearly every CPS school, even elementary. And then there's pictures of condom wrap packages with Chicago Public School stamped on it. Now, I know the condoms are dishing out that they will dish out because of this law. The state law will not have Chicago Public School stamped on it. Oh, maybe they will. I got a feeling some uh, creative person in the Sun-Times art pro department came up with that one. Just to get the point across. You know, just if the point and the headline wasn't obvious enough. Immediately, I got a text from a boomer I know saying, oh, my God, can you believe this? They're going to keep out condoms in the public schools? I laugh, man. Come on, boomers. You are such frauds. When you were young, you were screwing like squirrels right out in the open, and then you would brag about it. I have to listen to your little stories that you made up. Yeah, man, I was doing the dirty with little Sally Sue in the back of the car because I'm so cool. Now you're going with moral majority on me. Ben, it's too young. What? Boomers, let me ask you this. You don't think kids are going to think about having sex? So you think that, like, giving a kid a condom is going to be the first time he or she ever thought about having sex? As in, well, I never realized there's such a thing as sex until they gave me this condom. Now I think I'll go out and have sex. Come on, boomers, you know better than that. Show some pride. Show some dignity. As soon as I say this, a boomer will defend themselves. It's always different. They always go, it was different, Ben. It was different. We weren't having sex every day. Nobody gave us condoms. I'm like, I can't understand when they say stuff like that. Are they complaining? What else? Story in the Washington Post. Tracy Stone Manning. I don't know if you guys saw this one over the weekend. It's broke over the weekend. She wants to be the head of the Bureau of Management. That's the federal entity that oversees land, federal land. Has to deal with a lot of disputes uh, out in the West over how to use land, particularly between uh, environmentalists and loggers. Loggers want to cut down uh, the timber. The environmentalists don't want uh, them to cut down the timber. Republicans won't let her in. They're determined to block her. Why? Because since she was like 21 or 22, she was a college kid. She was a radical. She was involved with the radical environmentalists in Montana. We're trying to keep loggers from cutting down trees. And so they did things like spiked trees. Not being the tree man, I did not know what spiking trees was. I had to read the full story and I'd learn that's when you spike a tree, you literally put a spike into it. So when a logger tries to cut it down, it can destroy the saw, potentially hurt the logger. It's a very confrontational thing to do. Only a radical environmentalist would do something that extreme. She was involved with a radical group of environmentalists who did just that. Thing is, she was like the moderate one in the bunch. So she warned the loggers that they had done this, and she sent an anonymous letter to the papers saying that they'd spiked hundreds of trees. It was her way of uh, trying to warn the loggers, don't cut down these trees. Now, 30 years later, the Republicans want to make her pay for it. They're calling her a radical. They're calling her an environmental terrorist. She says she's not worthy of leading the management. Looks like it'll come down to a party line vote. All the Republicans will be against her in the confirmation, and... Well, the Dems are worried. Who guess? Guess what? They're worried about Kristen Cinema, Senator Cinema, and Senator Joe Manchin. Speaking of boomers who pretend things are different somehow or other this day, what a bunch of fraud those Republicans are! 
the biggest practitioners of cancel culture I know. Hey, Republicans, what about Tracy Stone Manning's culture? You think it's okay for insurrectionists to smash away in the Capitol and whack cops over the head with hockey sticks? I still can't get over that. They had high, they brought hockey sticks, hockey sticks to the insurrection. But be a college radical 30 years ago, shame on you. Like, who isn't a radical when they're in college? That's like the time when most people are radicals. I went to bed on Friday and Republicans were hypocrites. Woke up this morning after a long 4th of July weekend and guess what? Nothing's changed. They're still hypocrites. We got a great show today, everybody. Maya Dukmasova is standing by. My soon-to-be former partner in crime at uh, the Chicago Reader. We're going to talk about that. I know. <laughs> I know. I feel the same way, Maya. Uh, and Vincent E. Norman will be joining us uh, when we're done talking to Maya from... Um, the marijuana hall of fame. We got so man, he is so fired up uh, to talk about the, the injustice happening on the Carrie Richardson. He's been, he, he texted me last week. He wanted to come on the show. We were all booked. I couldn't get him on, but that is an outrage. Uh, what they're doing uh, in the name of protecting athletes from drugs. Won't let her run uh, in the Olympics. Uh, he feels he has discovered a, um, uh, an out in the language governing the Olympics and Olympic athletes that want to label her to reverse field and allow her to run. Eh. So pro- we'll have that conversation in a little bit, but first let's talk to Maya. Maya, are you there? Can you hear me? Okay. Yep. I'm here. All right. Well, there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot of breaking news in your personal life or your professional life, mm-hmm. I should say. Uh, yeah. And, um, and then there's also breaking news in our professional life. So uh, let's talk about the our part of the professional life. Uh, Maya and I are uh, co-hosts of First Tuesdays uh, at the hideout. And after a hiatus of over a year, over a year, Maya, you've been in your apartment. I've been in my attic. Uh, we're finally bringing the show back to the hideout it's sold out as i understand it which is super cool uh so tell everybody what's going to happen uh tonight at at the hideout because we'll be recording it to drop it next week go ahead yeah so tonight at 6 30 we're going to be having our triumphant return uh to the hideout patio for our first in-person show uh since uh yeah since since the pandemic started um we are going to be discussing the issues around the elected representative school board that's going to be hitting uh the chicago public schools soon uh we've got some great guests we've got um delia ramirez and rob markwick from the state house uh coming to join us to talk about this law that just passed and we've got uh rod wilson from coco uh the kenwood oakland community organization He's going to be talking about his problems with the version of the bill that actually passed uh, that was vociferously opposed by uh, by the mayor of Chicago. So it should be a really good show, folks. If you're coming out, today is a hot one. So just make sure that, you know, you're not dressed in, uh, you know, your winter clothing. There's obviously going to be drinks to enjoy and shade to, to, to hide in um, at the hideout and hopefully by by 6 30 it'll start cooling down but it's supposed to be up to the to like 90 degrees outside today so just just yeah wear uh wear your shorts and uh wear a hat and put some sunscreen on and uh we're really yeah we're really excited to see everybody and hopefully we'll sort of be 
coming back on track as a as a monthly show now that we can uh now that we can be gathering in person once yeah, for some reason your mic uh, is going in and out. I just want to let you know that. Uh, so I catch, I'm catching most of what you say, but uh, the sound is uh, going in and out. Uh, but uh, just if, in case you missed some of the the guests that you ran down, Rod Wilson, uh, Delia Ramirez, who's state rep, and Rob Martwick, a state senator. Uh, and uh, as Maya said, uh, Delia Ramirez was the sponsor sponsor of the bill, the elected school board bill. Uh, in the House, and Rob Marwick was the sponsor in the Senate. Uh, and uh, Rod Wilson, a huge advocate, uh, supporter of an elected school board in Chicago. Uh, his objection to the bill, as Maya was saying, is that it it doesn't go far enough that it allows for a moment when the mayor still, there's like a transition period where the mayor still has the authority to nominate board members. And he thinks it should be immediately on elected school board. So there's going to be, it's like a discussion of lefties and I will be playing the role of Ralph corporate Chicago who thinks all power should rest in the hands of the mayor. Cause that's how we don't do things in the city of Chicago. I'll be playing that role, Maya. Uh, and <laughs> uh, I've heard their arguments so much. I can, regurgitate them at a moment's notice uh you know uh before we get into the the breaking news in your uh uh personal life or your professional life i should say uh i should point out i i had a, a nice, interesting conversation with rod wilson uh t- this morning uh on this matter as i was telling about the show and we were talking about the headline story in the sun times which i already alluded to um, new program puts free condoms in nearly every CPS school, even elementaries. It's a front page story in the Sun Times. Maya, if we had an elected school board, this matter would have already been discussed openly, for better or for worse. I'm sure there would be members on the school board who would passionately believe on both sides of the issue, and they would argue it out. And there would be uh, compelling testimony in favor. And against, uh, there could be inflammatory testimony in favor or against. It could potentially lead to denunciations of the opposing view. Do you follow what I'm saying? In other words, it would have been democracy. <laughs> oh, you know, but we would have known about it. it wouldn't have been a last minute thing. We're suddenly uh, we're just learning in uh, July 5th that oh yeah, there's this program where they're going to put free condoms in the school. It would have been debated. So I think this is, we're going to be discussing this uh, tonight a little bit. I think I'm just curious what everybody thinks about it, but this is the exact, this is a one example, Maya, of how an elected school board, which is accountable to voters, uh, would, it's, I think, benefit the city of Chicago just by encouraging debates. What's your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I think we shouldn't assume that uh, the decision by an elected school board on this issue would be any less controversial uh, than the one this one has made. But in general, yeah, I think that having elected officials that are accountable to the public who stand to lose their seats if the public isn't happy with them, you know, be debating all of this openly can, can you know, can only... Uh, I mean, I don't think that there will be more problems than we have now, it seems to me. And in fact, there will be like better accountability mechanisms by virtue of the fact that there will, you know, there will be elections for these folks. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think it's uh, overall, it's a good thing. And, and you're right. It's not going to make the issues. Are, they aren't going to be suddenly less controversial. Your point is, is well taken, but they'll be discussed openly. I mean, the issues are always going to be controversial. We're always going to have controversial issues to discuss, but it, they will be discussed. There'll be forums uh, and uh, they can't just rely on whatever decision the mayor hands down. You know, if you're responsible, if you got to go before the voters, you have to uh, appease the voters. So anyway, that's the discussion we're going to have uh, tonight. And uh, that starts at 630. And as I said, we record it. and We drop it as a podcast for folks who can't make it out and uh, see it in person and uh, get to ask their questions directly. All right, Maya, let's talk about the changes in your professional uh, career. I wrote about it in the newsletter uh, last week, uh, the reader, the weekly reader newsletter that I do. Got a lot of positive response from it. So, um, and we talked about it on the show a little bit. So let's hear it uh, from you directly. What's going on in the life of Maya? Yeah, so I've uh, I've accepted a job at Injustice Watch as a senior reporter, um, and I'll be leading the judicial election uh, coverage at Injustice Watch. Folks might be familiar with the judicial election guide that Injustice Watch publishes. It's like a cheat sheet you can take into the voting booth with you to make more educated decisions about the judges you're voting for, the judges you're voting to retain or not on the bench. So um, I'll be doing, I'll be kind of leading the work around creating that judicial election guide and also be doing reporting on judges and the courts and the criminal side, on the civil side. So, yeah, it really breaks my heart to leave the reader, uh, but this was like a very interesting opportunity, and I really believe in the mission um, and uh, the mission of, of the organization. I really believe in the value of this work, and, um, you know, it's exciting to me to be part of uh, kind of a, a process in the city to more attention to these very high stakes but very low information um, elections and to these elected officials who um, enjoy a great amount of power over over people's lives, um, but rarely get any oversight from the press. So I'm still part time at the Reader through uh, through the through the summer, basically, and I'm starting part time in a Justice Watch, and I will be transitioning fully full time to the new the new job in September. And uh, in a personal level, uh, you will still be uh, joining me uh, at the hideout. We'll still be doing first Tuesdays together, even though you're no longer working uh, at the uh, at at the reader. Correct? Yes. Yes. Uh, all right. Hold on. You know what? I think we're going to have to just uh, deal with this the the sound quality from uh, Maya because you're going in and out. So here's what I propose. I propose we take a break uh, and Maya set up a new connection with Dennis. And when we come back, we'll play uh, a song. And when we come back, everything will sound perfect. I have just have the feeling to quote the Beatles. So we're going to take a break and be right back with Maya. Maya Dukmasova has rejoined us. And I just know, I just know, as Dennis says, the second time around will be the charm. Uh, so Maya, uh, Go back to, let's do a test. Say, my name is Maya, testing one, two, three. My name is Maya, testing one, two, three. Can you guys hear me all right? Oh, my God. By the way, that was a great test. 
you get the gig. Um, all right. So you were talking about uh, moving from uh, the reader uh, to Injustice Watch. And I was making the point before we finally decided to uh, reconnect that we will still doing first Tuesday shows. So we'll very much have our uh, partnership going. Uh, every yeah. f- Let's hope it's once a month again. Now that the first Tuesday uh, that the hideout is uh, reopened. Um, and, uh, you know, I was uh, getting a little sentimental in the newsletter because I was remembering when, when I first met you and when you came to the reader uh, and I was very impressed at your guts and um, uh, <laughs> I don't want to get choked up here, but I was very impressed by your guts because we, the reader staffers were in the midst of a very contentious contract negotiation with the, the people who then owned the reader Sun times uh, owned the reader then oh God, what a bunch of that crew was. And uh, we did an action outside the uh, sometimes building Bob Ryder, Chicago Federation of Labor, brought that giant rat. Uh, scabby. scabby, God bless you, Bob. Uh, and um, so we had that, uh, uh, we had that rally and the, the people who ran the reader scheduled a meeting for like right at the time we had the rally and they, and they had uh, Maya, it was required that Maya show up at the meeting. And, no. and I did, I kn- remember it was, that? No, no, it was, for, it was a meeting for management. It was a meeting for me, but didn't they make you go to the meeting? No, they did not make me go anywhere. And just, so that's why I was at the rally. Well, yeah. But I just remembered, I thought you were going to be at the meeting, but then you showed up at the rally and, and then it wasn't uh, anything like that. You're, you're giving me way too much credit, but I was really happy to support. Uh, you know, I felt like I was already part of the team with you all. And I strongly believe in the union. So yeah, that's why I was there. Well, the reason I give you so much credit is because it couldn't have made the, them happy about you. You showed up at the, you were not a, a member of uh, the bargaining team. You're not a full-time staffer at uh, the reader and you showed up and supported puzzle. It had been raining that day. So anybody who showed up in the rain at all, uh, my neighbor, Sam uh, Holloway was there. God bless you, Sam showed up on my behalf. Um, but uh, anyway, what a struggle that was. And then later you joined the uh, bargaining team when you became a member of, uh, when you became a full-time staffer at the reader or the union bargaining team. So what's your sense of the reader uh, as you leave it, as opposed to what it was like when you joined it, Maya? I definitely feel like it's in the strongest position it's been um, in my five years there. I mean, it's, it's, there's been a lot of instability, a lot of, ownership changes, a lot of management changes, a lot of, I mean, there was like a period of time where I didn't even really have an editor for like over a year. So I feel like now the organization is stronger than it's been. I can't say it's stronger than it's ever been, but, but in my, it's definitely the strongest it's been in my brief time um, at the reader. And I have, you know, full confidence in, um, Tracy Bain's ability to, um, to lead our business side of things, to lead our transition to being a nonprofit. And, um, she's just done such tremendous work getting our finances stabilized and, and really getting us on our feet after many, many years of mismanagement and neglect. And then on the editorial side, um, Karen Hawkins and Sujay Kumar are doing amazing work. Um, I feel like the, that the reader is is really brimming with talent right now in terms of even the people on staff, but even also the people that were regularly having to freelance with us. And the reader has always been a a place where 
new voices could get a chance at, at, uh, at writing, you know, at developing their skills as reporters and as writers. And, um, the word on the street is that, uh, they, um, yeah, they're going to be continuing to be committed to that mission. And as, as sad as I am to, to part ways with the reader, um, it warms my heart to think that there'll be, you know, other people coming up will get a chance to, to write for the reader and, and to, and to grow in their, in their skill set as well. I think about those five years that you just alluded to the five years that you were with the reader and there were some rocky times. There were many times I could think at least three where I said, well, I told my friends or my wife, I'm not sure the reader will be around at this time next week. You know, I just, there was just, this is just a sort of a, a fear in the air many times, particularly when the sun times uh, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced that the sun times is ready to uh, it's the old ownership, not the new ownership of the sun times. I make that clear. It was ready to put us out to pasture uh, at one point or another. And then uh, we, we were rescued, but they used to ask me a bowling every Monday night. So uh, you still have a job? And I go, well, I still do, but we'll see what happens next week at bowling. Uh, so you're right. It's a, um, uh, it's a lot, uh, or a lot healthier. Is there ever a favorite article or articles that you have from your reader days? Oh man. Well, there's, there's stuff that I, there's like, I feel like my work about, you know, reporting on evictions in the city and, and that some of the companies, you know, especially Pangea doing the evicting, I feel like that work was probably the most significant and meaningful of what I did there in terms of kind of breaking new ground and reporting and bringing attention to like an issue that hadn't been getting much coverage in the city. So I feel really proud of that work um, and of the reporting there. But I think that it's funny because I think that my favorite stories to, to write were actually like much less serious, I guess, in a way, like I, I felt like I had the most fun as a writer doing these profiles of interesting characters, like, you know, this like flashy criminal defense attorney who I wrote about a few years ago. And then, you know, I did a profile of this, uh, of this weed dealer last year, um, where I guess it was like in, yeah, in, in in December of 2019. So these kinds of like very reader stories, these kinds of offbeat profiles and, and just stories about life in the city. Um, I think those were, those are some of my favorite things to do and really allowed me to kind of develop my muscles as a writer. So I feel like I'm leaving for a job that's, that's going to be like a lot more devoted to like this, uh, very particular, very serious mission of like covering our courts. And I feel very excited about, um, about, kind of develop, yeah, devoting my professional efforts to something that I feel like is like a really serious and meaningful project, but I'm not going to lie. I'm definitely going to miss, like, I'm, I'm going to miss the, the possibility that the, the idea that I could, if I wanted to write some offbeat little profile of some interesting city character. And I mean, who knows it? I feel like down the road, uh, if my work schedule allows and my passion is strong, I could, I could be back in the pages of the reader with some quirky profile. Um, I very much feel like I'll still be part of the reader family the way that, you know, 
most people who leave the reader but kind of stay around Chicago are. So yeah, it's um, it's gonna be it's like leaving the family nest. Uh, I when I think of your your stay, you're right. Those those quirky stories. Uh, are definitely uh, popping them ahead. But when I think of uh, your stay at the reader, I, I think of the contribution is about uh, the politics of policing and the political culture of the police department and the interconnection between the police department and politicians. I think that was one of Maya's great contributions uh, as a reader writer. Uh, and we still see it. Maya, it's every day. Uh, but you did profiles of the attorney who uh, I'm blanking on his name. who represented a lot of police officers for the fraternal order. Yeah, Herbert, man, Herbert. You did the profile of Herbert before he was a front page name. And uh, and it, that was like a really important story because, again, it talked about the dynamics of the political dynamics of the, of the Fraternal Order Police and sort of the message that they were putting out to, uh, to try to build up their political support. In many ways, a forerunner of the MAGA movement that seems to have taken over Fraternal Order Police in the last year or two. Uh, and then just it gets into the ways in which politicians back off from a confrontation uh, with the Fraternal Order Police. And we're seeing that right now, Maya, speaking of a uh, first Tuesday with Anjanette Young. Uh, we've talked a lot about this on the show down for the last several months, particularly last week. We were t- we've been talking about it and with uh, Lori Lightfoot getting into uh Older woman Jeanette Taylor's face, but uh, Anjanette Young was a guest uh, of ours on at First Tuesday, and she told a story about what happened to her uh, when the cops burst into her house, and when the city um, basically was ignoring her, uh, and it became a front page news. And Mayor Lightfoot made a big deal about apologizing, and this would never happen again. And she wanted to meet with her. And guess what, Maya? We're <laughs> It's like we're right back where we started. Hardball tactics by the Corporation Council. Don't want to beginning to question even the most basic aspects of the case. Well, she wasn't. She was only naked for like, I don't know, five minutes. You know, they're like they got a clock on how long she was naked, you know, and uh, just try to minimize what she what, what she went through. And it, it's again, it's like a, a fear I don't know. I get your thoughts on how to describe it or a reluctance to confront the issues, the policing issues that we faced for all these years in the city of Chicago. Yeah. It's like trying to have it both ways, you know, like trying to like speak, make, you know, make public remarks about, uh, you know, condemning the behavior of the police and being supportive of, of, of Anjanette Young and kind of score political, political points in a way by like, saying her name in the right way for the mayor. But then, you know, yeah, on the back end of things, like her corporation council is still fighting tooth and nail to, uh, to discredit Anjanette Young's story. And, you know, I think it's also a calculation that it is benefit, you know, it's beneficial for the mayor politically to show that like, you know, she's fighting, vociferously and 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 uh intensely against claim you know legal claims brought against the city but i do think it's kind of like yeah it's really absurd that that you've got on the one hand the mayor trying to sit you know do all the right things in terms of condemning what happened but on the other hand you know you're you're trying to like nickel and dime this person and and basically like 
yeah, I mean, it's not surpri- it's not surprising. That's what that's that's what the corporation council is supposed to do. But you know, I think that it's just a little bit two faced. I would take uh, a little bit out of the words, a little bit out of that sentence. Uh, it's extremely two two faced, uh, and. Uh, yeah, uh, it, nickel and diming is a good way of looking at it. But uh, uh, that's where, you know, people said uh, the big complaint about Lori Lightfoot when she was elected was that she's a cop. And I was, eh, I don't know if that's fair, but I really, I realized that more to the point, she's a corporate lawyer. Yeah. And uh, to me, that sums up Lori Lightfoot. She's a corporate lawyer. And you know how corporate lawyers, they got a lot of money. They got a lot of power. They can, they just are used to using that power, forcing people to wait, wait, wait until they drop. Cause you got the resources and they don't, and you leverage every advantage you have. Uh, and all that matters is winning to me. Yeah. That's the quintessential corporate lawyer. Uh, and you want one in your, to represent you. If you got a lot of money, you know what I'm saying? But I'm not sure it's great from a public policy standpoint to have that attitude when you're dealing with something as volatile as police relations yeah. uh, with the black community. Your thoughts on all this? Yeah, yeah. That's, I think that's exactly on point. And I think it comes back to the thing we keep talking about, which is, you know, the mayor has a particular personality when it comes to her fear of being perceived as weak and a pushover. And it's very important to her, and we've now seen so much evidence to this, it's very important to her to be seen as a person that's effectively wielding authority, who's respected, who doesn't back down. Um, I think, yeah, just this is, this is just part of her persona. And I think that this rigidity, this kind of unwillingness to, to give an inch, you know, in, in, any, in any realm, is is it is you know it's it's a political style that that maybe she thinks is going to be working for her but i guess we'll really you know we'll see how the voters feel about it uh it's really it's i i think that she is this kind of this kind of routine first of all tends to work better for men than for women in general this kind of tough guy routine and I think that it will probably have like some serious political repercussions for her to just be a person with such a long track record of digging her heels in on every single possible issue. Um, I think people, as sexist as it is, I do think that people begrudge women more, more of that than men. And I think that her fighting against that is not going to, she's not, you know, she's not going to look how it worked out for Hillary Clinton, you know, you try your, your you try your whole career to dig your heels in to be one of the tough guys or whatever you, can, you know you can't you're gonna you're gonna lose points at every turn that a man will doing the same thing will only gain points for like all of her behavior would probably look great for Rahm Emanuel and only get him you know earn him more votes and, and earn him continued support but I feel like there's kind of yeah gendered aspect to this that. She just doesn't like. She just wants to like break through by sheer force, and I doubt it's going to work out well for her. And on top of that, it's just you know, like you know, it's not it's not great. It's not great for our community. <laughs> it's not great when Rom does it. It's not great when men do it. It's bad, and but it's also it's it's definitely it's not great when women do it either. So I um, 
yeah, it'll be interesting to see whether her political calculations are are correct because it's. I feel like she's made, she's probably making more enemies than friends with this whole approach to to, to wielding power. That was really well put, and uh, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I'm probably going to write about it, and we talk about it on the show all the time. But uh, I do believe, to your point, uh, that, that a lot of what Mayor Lightfoot said was absolutely true when she went on uh, the Phil Ponce show last week uh, and said nobody complained about this when it was Ramen Daly doing it. She's absolutely correct when she says that. And we uh, in Chicago, we kind of worship uh, power and bullies politically speaking, we've certainly rewarded it. I think that's clear uh, in our history, but to your last point is, is really the best one. It's not right when Rom did it. It wasn't right when Rom did it. It wasn't right when Daly did it. We were really uh, hurting ourselves to put up with it, to worship it, to reward it. It's something we should back away from right now. Uh, And uh, it's not right when she does it, but you know, if we replace Lori Lightfoot with some male bully and he just goes back to doing it and we think that's cool, then we are uh, even more messed up of a city, uh, Maya, than I thought uh, to begin with. Yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, Vincent E. Norman is uh, standing by. We're going to uh, say goodbye to Maya uh, and bring Vincent on Maya. Before we do that, uh, get rest, bring water, be ready to rock and roll tonight at the hideout at 630. And that's gonna, everybody it's who's good. coming through tonight. Just make sure that you're dressed in cool clothing, got a hat on, got your sunscreen on, and uh, we don't want anybody having any heat stroke out there. I'll be wearing my super cool Chicago Bulls hat <laughs> representing my beloved Bulls, even though they're nowhere near uh, the playoffs <laughs> once again. All right, Maya, you take care, all right? Good talking to see you tonight. Uh, Vincent E. Norman is joining us. Vincent, can you hear me okay? Yes, I can. <clears throat> How are you doing today? Uh, all right. I'm doing well, Vincent. Uh, Vincent E. Norman, of course, uh, is the owner of the Marijuana Hall of Fame. And uh, last week, as soon as the news, as soon as the news about Shakari Richardson broke, he called me up. I got to come on the show. I got to talk about it. I go, great minds think alike, Vincent E. Norman, because I wanted to have you on the show and talk about it as well. And uh, so uh, here we are. You ready to rock and roll, Vincent? Oh, always. Yes, sir. All right. So let's uh, let's talk about this a little bit. Shakira Richardson, uh, this kind of uh, brings all the aspects of the world that I'm just passionate about. Uh, Vincent, she's one of the greatest sprinters in the country right now. She's the top woman sprinter. Uh, she was the winner in the 100 meter dash. I don't know if they, I, I'm showing my age when I call it a dash. I think everybody just calls it a race. Uh-huh. But that, when I was a kid, we called it the 100, what was 100 yards dash. Uh, so it's old habits are hard to break, Vincent. And uh, what a beautiful runner. And uh, she, of course, uh, was the one who uh, made people cry, myself included, when after she won the race, she ran up and hugged her grandmother, who was in the stands watching. Vincent, I know you saw all this. And uh, definitely so she, a great moment. It was a great moment. And she was uh, on a precipice and ready to really launch her career, be one of the great all-time American runners. And then out of nowhere comes an edict uh, for the International Olympic Committee that she'd be suspended for 30 days because she tested positive for having cannabis in her system. Until that moment, Vincent E. Norman, I didn't even know it was against the rules to have cannabis. 
I'm still outraged about this decision because Vincent, I don't see what the rationale is for uh, banning cannabis uh, from athletes. So why don't we just start there? In your humble opinion, Vincent, why is there still a rule in the book against a, a, an Olympic runner or an Olympic athlete having uh, cannabis in his or her system? Well, you know, you know, I was trying to figure that out, and then I thought about it. You know, uh, I think what it boils down to is control. You know, um, the Olympic Committee... Um, the people in power need to have as much control as they can. And I just think this is another way of controlling the athlete and holding on to something that clearly is needs to be off the books. Um, the policies have changed. We know that um, there are several states um, way in almost 40 that accept uh, medical marijuana here in the States. Um, 19 recreational, including the District of Columbia. And so we've seen Canada be the second country to accept it as recreational Mexico followed. And the dominoes are falling. Uh, a great uh, city, New York, has allowed it um, over the last past few months, recreational use. And so, yeah, I, I mean, it's an outcry, you know, it, it, it's really totally disrespectful to the athlete. Then not only that, <laughs> uh, just, just in society in general, uh, times are changing. The world is changing. Uh, Olympic Committee, this is not a drug. Um, <clears throat> it's a plant, a God-given plant, and uh, it has so many health benefits. We know that story. Uh, won't go into that, but yeah, when I heard it, when the first I heard it, it said drugs. I thought, okay, it was a, some enhancement drug that she used to help her uh, be the fastest woman on the planet. And then the next day, they came out and said cannabis. I said, well, 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 we have a problem here <laughs> because cannabis is supposed to slow you down. <laughs> Am I right? Well, yeah. we know that that theory is gone, and so. Um, you know, she had a moment, you know, she was on live TV, an interview came across and doing the interview, you know, right there, I'm spot on, say, you know, your mom had passed away. She didn't even know that. And so hearing that from a stranger and going through the trauma and the emotional uh, roller coaster and dealing with that right on the spot, uh, man, cannabis is all she used. Man, we should be cheering her on for being so strong in that time. You, you know, uh, and I'm going to get into that. Uh, when I heard her explanation that her uh, mom had passed and uh, so it, it, she like she stumbled and she took the cannabis. I had mixed feelings about that, Vincent. I'll tell you why. On one hand, I felt uh, empathy for her, uh, struggling through the pain and hurt of her mom having died. Okay. But on the other hand, I just felt, why, why the need to sort of have like an explanation for why, I don't know how, how she took it, but let's say she smoked a joint. Why the need to have the explanation 
like you're apologizing for it. You, I mean, to your point, it's legal in the state of Illinois. It's legal. I don't know how many states in the legal union. in the state that she consulted in. in yes. Oregon. So, I mean, you know, um, I saw an interview with her and they was talking about that. They said, well, you know, as if, if she wasn't in a state, <laughs> if she wasn't in a state that was illegal, the penalty would have been a little bit more severe. You know, it, it, it was almost like, what? Okay, like you just said to your point, why is she even apologizing? But here's the thing, uh, Ben, you know, uh, the Olympic Committee, they have a, a loophole uh, in their policy. And I'm going to read this to you real quick. Go ahead. Therapeutical use exemption. It's called therapeutical use exemption. In some situations, an athlete may have an illness or condition that requires the use of medication listed on the World Antidote agency prohibited list listed on the world antidote doping agency prohibited list the USADA can grant a therapeutic use exemption in these situations in compliance I'm going to stop right there and I, and I want the listeners to go look this up google it therapeutic use exemption for the Olympic Committee for the uh, USADA it clearly says that they have the wherewithal to waver to, you know, make a decision on exemption if someone is using a drug or uh, or something that's on the antidote list, if there is a good reason behind it. I think she has a good reason. Oh, absolutely. That, yeah. Now, that, that gets into the issue, and I've heard this so many I hear this so often, Vincent, where I, I, I've been on my high horse about this for the last week, and people will say, they think they're coming back with something I never heard before. But, Ben, there was a rule. She broke the rule. Yeah, but <laughs> this is from the biggest rule breakers I know who've been cheating on her taxes for years, Vincent E. Norman, okay, who are looking for every little angle they can, and they're like, Ben, there was a rule. <laughs> and this is and this is and this is coming from this is listeners. This is coming from a committee that has turnover. Seems like every two to four years because they are taking bribes under the table on who gets to have the Olympics. Yeah. And we know that you can Google that too. And we know that's out there. So you have people that's on the board of the Olympic Committee taking bribes on giving other countries the opportunity to host the Olympics. Who else knows what they were doing? They got caught red-handed. They resigned. And now you guys are trying to say that this young lady took cannabis in a moment where she was emotionally distraught, traumatized, after hearing about her mother's death a mother that she did not really have a relationship with because of the circumstances of her giving her up and her reuniting and her mixed emotions of that alone. Just stop and think if you did not have a mother in your home. I can't even imagine that. My biological mother not taking care of me, I can't even imagine that. So... <laughs> Again, you know, 
use common sense there, gentlemen, young lady, whoever's on the board, ladies, gentlemen, use common sense. Well, here's the thing. So to your, there's a rule that makes no sense. This is when people say, oh, Ben, what are, are the rule? But the rule makes no sense. It's a ridiculous rule because I'm reading the, their own policies. And there's two reasons why uh, drugs are banned, Vincent. One reason is because it gives the athlete an advantage over the other athletes. Well, their competitors. Well, we know that's not the case here because, as you just pointed out, smoking reefer does not make you run faster. If anything, it may retard your ability to run faster. So that's scratch that off the list. And the other one they said is that uh, it sends a bad message to the kiddies of the world. You know, the, you're just sending a bad message about taking drugs, which I had a laugh at that too, because marijuana is now legal in 30, 40 states throughout the country. In fact, they're using it in the state of Washington to try to entice people to get immunized. I don't know if you saw this, uh, Vincent. Oh, but it's not the only state that's doing it. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> so it's like, so let's stop pretending that marijuana is this, this horrible thing that we should not be. To, people are doing it every day. And not to, not to mention being during the pandemic when they shut mostly everything down. What was one of the essential items? Yes. Cannabis. Yes. It was all, it almost trumped the grocery store. I mean, they had some grocery stores. Hey, you can't go in the grocery stores. You got to go one at a time, two at a time, right? And, but yet and still, you can order online cannabis, marijuana. You can go pick it up at the dispensaries, cannabis, marijuana. You can even get it delivered in some states to your home, marijuana. Essential. And why is it essential? Because they realized that it had a medicinal benefit of helping people deal with stress, anxiety, trauma, therapeutical reasons, medical reasons. Come on. Use common sense, guys. Use common sense. So you have a rule that makes no sense, a rule that's a vestige from an old war on uh, drugs, a rule, uh, Vincent uh, pointed out, that's largely intended uh, to exert control over athletes, just to let them know who's the boss, who calls the shots. Uh, and now this rule is going to keep uh, this great runner from getting her moment uh, on the on the Olympic stage. You know what, guys? Find the technicality, and Vincent just pointed it out to you, that you could cite to make this disappear. Go, well, we, uh, I just see the, the press conference tomorrow. Vincent, they'll say Vincent E. Norman is point uh, the uh, owner of the Marijuana Hall of Fame has pointed out that we have this stipulation in our very own rule book that enables us to say, "Hooray, Richardson gets to run." Wouldn't that be a, a nice loophole? It's a it, it's a nice loophole. And if you think about it, as I was reading it, I'm like, this is perfect. This gives them the decision to pick and choose who they want to elevate in the track and field. By the way, you know, I, as a high school player, shout out to Earl High School. I was a <laughs> shot put. Ugh. Yeah, he told me that today. I was like, <laughs> I've talked to Vincent a lot. I, we never talked track and field. And he, I go, you're not a real track and field fan, are you? He goes, well, I threw shot put in the in high school. I go, well, that's the field part. 
of track and field. Uh, by the way, folks, if you get a chance to watch uh, a Carrie Richardson run, she is a beautiful runner. So if, if nothing else, go check it out because she's one of the great runners I've ever seen. And uh, now the articles I've been reading about this and I'm obsessively following, I get into the issue that you just raised, Vincent, and that is that there's a therapeutic value to, uh, to a reefer. There's a therapeutic Pedicarity, the cannabis uh, that it calms you down and it enables you to suffer trauma. So they were trying to make the point that if it may not have be advantageous for a runner, someone who's requiring speed uh, in his or her game uh, to take it, but they made the argument that could help, let's say, a diver. So, you know, the way that diving works is that there's that moment, the divers have that moments of anxiety. Uh, before they have to perform, you know, before they have to do their dive. Uh, I love the diving uh, segment of the Olympics, uh, Vincent. And um, I think we've lost Vincent. Vincent has left the meeting. We're having technical difficulties today, D. Uh, it says Vincent has left the meeting. So why don't we take a break and come back, try to hook up with Vincent. Does that make sense, Dennis? The binger. Somehow I got lost. I'm not sure. Oh, there you go. Hey, it sounded a lot better. Well, we don't even have to take the break. I said we're going to take a break, but Vincent came right back. Good job, Dennis. Uh, So, Vincent, I was saying that they say diving has an advantage, uh, that maybe smoking marijuana or taking uh, cannabis of some sorts would help you with an advantage in diving. I'm not even certain about that. Uh, what's your thoughts about whether diving, if you were a diver to, to uh, take cannabis, would be an a, a advantage? Uh, I don't see how. I mean, I just don't see how uh, that can take place. Uh, maybe they know something. I, I don't, but I but I do know this that uh, you know cannabis has its medical benefits and. In all different areas, you know, and I don't think diving or enhancement is one of those. Um, you either have it or you don't. But surely, if you uh, take uh, some performance enhancement drugs, it's definitely going to help you. <clears throat> and last I checked, that is not only a list of uh, the Olympic Committee or um, the USA, you know, uh, as a enhancement drug cannabis. So, swimming, I don't think so. No, I, and my point is, is like, why don't you just ban aspirin then? I mean, it's, just, I think this is an absurd amount of absurdity here. Uh, and, and like I said, this is just a vestige of the war drugs. And I hope the efforts of people like Vincent uh, force uh, the uh, International Olympic Committee to reconsider uh, and let her run. All right, let's move on to another topic. Uh, as long as I have Vincent here. I have to ask him this. Uh, Vincent uh, has been on the show many times, and uh, he has confessed many times that he was a great football player uh, back in the day. And uh, so I wrote a story about the Bears and how cheap they are. Get his thoughts on that. But before I do that, uh, Carl Nassib uh, came out uh, of the closet the other day, about a couple weeks ago. Uh, He's a great defensive end who plays for the Las Vegas Raiders. It's hard for me not to call them the Oakland Raiders, but they're the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, (laughs) And uh, so I was just chatting with that about that with Vincent before the show. And he said something that I hadn't thought. Man, what a difference. What what a difference. difference Michael Sam's. Michael Sam coming out, uh, coming out party 
I think he did it live on ESPN. One, two, it was doing draft day. Three, on live TV on ESPN, he kissed, I guess, then his other partner or whatever. And um, the NFL wasn't just, they wasn't, they wasn't having that. Uh, sponsors, they wasn't having that. So it was like, um, uh, what are you doing? And so that's the difference, I think, uh, the difference between uh, that is that he came out, um, spoke truth, and uh, didn't have to display it in, in the public viewing. And uh, the NFL is like, listen, hey, times have changed, and as long as we don't see it, <laughs> we're okay with it. And that's really what was the bottom line. Michael Flynn uh, clearly did not get the memo. I did a little bit of extra, and uh, it cost him his career, at least cost him a chance to play in the NFL. But uh, let's not forget that he did pave the way, as other athletes have done, uh, by making the announcement and putting it out there and putting the conversation out in the forefront for the NFL to table, consider, and think about. All right, now I'm going to throw a hard uh, question at you. Let's see if you uh, how you handle this one. So uh, Michael Sams was a great linebacker, played, I believe, at Missouri. I think it was Missouri. Uh, great college uh, player uh, and uh, was one of the top linebackers in the country when he came out of uh, college, when he graduated from college and was uh, eligible for the NFL draft. Uh, and he was also, speaking of coming out, he came out and said he was gay. Right on the eve of the draft, he let it be known. Uh, very similar to NASA. All his teammates lauded him. They loved him. The coaches loved him. He's, uh, he's a great uh, role model, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, he's strong. He's fast. He's smart. This, that, and the other thing. Uh, and, and, then, and, the, and the most valuable player in the Southeast Conference as well. Yes, most valuable player. And uh, as Vincent said, he was uh, shown on TV kissing his boyfriend and I'll go one step further. Michael Sams is black. His boyfriend was white. So Vincent, we cannot overlook the role race plays in this country. Do you think it would have been different in your humble opinion? If the boyfriend he kissed was another black man, do you think he would have been given a chance uh, in the NFL? That's a tough one. You know, I, <clears throat> I, I think the consideration would have been a little bit uh, more consideration. Um, but I, I just think in general, the, the visual effect of that was frowned upon. You know, I mean, it, it, I mean it's a manly sport. It was frowned upon. I think uh, that was a bad choice, a bad decision on his part. Um, but let's even flip it even, you know, the fact that he – is an African American coming out versus, uh, you know, NASA, which is white and have a support system. I mean, everybody knew in Missouri, the coaches included, everybody knew that Michael Sand was the gay. The players, they didn't have a problem with it. You know, everybody you know, kept it on his rug. Nobody, you know, the media didn't pick up on it and no one talked about it. Uh, again, it was fine as long as you can keep, keep it under wraps. Uh, when you let the cat out the bag, you know, it's for the nation to see and uh, you feel like it's a little bit more open to kiss whoever, <laughs> uh, then it becomes a problem. Then it becomes a problem. So I think that's where the problem lies. 
black or white it just didn't matter. It was the fact yeah. of the act in front of, you know, these young kids, these young teenagers out here. Yeah, I, uh, but football's a funny thing. Now they, they've already put out a public service announcement. I sent it to, to Vincent. We would play it, except that there's no sound to it. But uh, you know, NFL sent out a public service announcement saying they, uh, uh, NFL is gay. That was, that was like the headline. In other words, we're open to everybody. Uh, we, we have no bias, no prejudice. I just had to shake my head. You Someone know, tell Michael Sam's same, that. same NFL and Roger Cadell that banned Kaepernick. Kaepernick, Kaepernick, and yeah. the same NFL that, you know, kind of kept things under wraps with the, uh, you know, Chris Long and O'Cole Beasley coming out and saying, hey, that's the COVID vaccine. Don't do it. Oh, okay. Now this is our NFL that took yeah. the choice and said, hey, look, okay. Hey, guys, chill out. You know, there was no backlash toward that other than, you know, kind of sweeping it under the rug. But uh, these guys, you know, took a stance on the issue that they was concerned about. That kind of sounds like uh, Kaepernick taking the issue on a concern, uh, issue that a concern that he was concerned about. And that was uh, violence in the in the cities and a disproportionate of uh, servitude amongst minorities, black and brown people, and systematic racism, and a whole ton of things that's going on in our society. And he was banned from the NFL, or we call it black ball. How about that? Yeah. Uh, Cole Beasley that uh, Vincent alluded to is a wide receiver. I forget where he plays for at the moment. He used to play for the Eagles, I'm pretty sure. I think he plays for Buffalo. Uh, and uh, he came out with an announcement a couple weeks ago that he was outraged, outraged that uh, the NFL Players Association had teamed up with the NFL uh, to essentially reward players for getting immunized. And he said there was no way under in, uh, he would ever get immunized. He thought it was dangerous. Uh, what about his, uh, his rights as an American not to get immunized? All of a sudden, he's become a passionate uh, activist on the issue of protecting his health. All right? And, uh, and he didn't lose his job. That's, that's, the point Vincent was making, whereas when Colin Kaepernick took the knee, they banned him. Uh, I would say that the, the position that Cole Beasley is taking where he's actively working against people getting immunized is more detrimental to society than the position Kaepernick took, which was, hey, maybe it's not a good idea to encourage or to uh, look the other way when uh, uh, police officers shoot black people. And yet... That's the NFL. That's the point that Vincent uh, was making. I'm with you 100%. And I was happy to see that Chris Long, the great uh, Hall of Famer, come out and denounce uh, uh, Cole Beasley. But, uh, yeah, Vincent, a lot of hypocrisy uh, in the NFL. And speaking of which, your beloved Chicago Bears trying to shake down the city of Chicago by threatening to move to Arlington Heights. If they don't, the city doesn't build them a stadium. They haven't come out and said it, but that's the game they're playing, Vincent. Uh, do you think the city of Chicago should spend one nickel building the Chicago Bears a stadium, or do you think they should just say, if you want to go to Arlington Heights, see you later? Your thoughts, Vincent? As I say uh, to the McCaskies, uh, good riddance. You've done nothing but... Uh, put your feet on the city's neck in so many different ways. You 
had an opportunity to do a lot of good things with the Bears. And, you know, because of internal issues, uh, when, you know, whether it's race and whatever it is, mismanagement, uh, incompetent, whatever you want to call it, you know, um, you're not in a position to threaten this city or threaten the mayor. And I hope that Chicago sends that message to the Chicago Bears that if you go to Arlington, good riddance, we got two baseball teams. Why can't we not coat another city, Arizona, you know, Tennessee? We have a lot of amenities here. Come on into Chicago, and we have a beautiful stadium downtown on DuSable Lakeshore Drive. <laughs> uh, the city finally passed that ordinance. Uh, yeah, all right. In other words, see you later, uh, Bears. You're now the Arlington Heights Bears. Uh, all right, Vincent, we're going to close. You're going to make one of your famous predictions for us. Uh, tonight, the uh, NBA Finals starts. The Sons of Phoenix versus the Bucks of Milwaukee. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, when Vincent E. Norman makes a prediction in basketball, you just just go to Vegas and put the money down. <laughs> well, you know, I actually tease you. Don't go to Vegas. Vegas. I believe that the, the Milwaukee Bucks, is, and they're not going to do this, of course, but the Milwaukee Bucks are better starting off without Giannis. I mean, they, they, they played such a great two games uh, to close out um, that series with the Atlanta Hawks. So uh, I think the Milwaukee Bucks are uh, ready to claim the title, but, you know, but my heart goes with Chris Paul and the Phoenix Suns. And uh, I'm a big Charles Barkley fan and he played with them. And I like to see something good come from Phoenix. So that's my prediction. I think Milwaukee, uh, if, if the coach plays the way they play those last two games and kind of limit uh, Giannis on shooting threes, then they'll win the title. If Giannis keeps shooting threes, they'll pretty much hand it to Phoenix. And, Ben, don't forget this. This is the year that I call this the, the, the theft of the NBA championship. Why is that? If Phoenix win, they stole it. If Milwaukee win, same thing. It was death because we know that the Brooklyn Nets, a healthy Brooklyn Nets team, would have been playing for the NBA championship. Kawhi Leonard went down for the Clippers. A healthy Kawhi Leonard with the Clippers, they would have been playing the Brooklyn Nets for the NBA championship. We won't even talk about the Lakers. It is what it is. But So this is an opportunity for either one of them to steal a championship ring. Uh, that's a good point. And uh, I've been following basketball basketball for f- over 40 years. Uh, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said this, and this confirms everything I've seen. In many instances, this is not the only time, it, the winner is the one who was fortunate enough to get through that long, arduous playoff process without a key injury. And here in Chicago, we were very lucky, Vincent, uh, during the great Bulls runs, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, the key members of the Chicago Bulls, never got injured. But yep. there's no way. And if, if Michael Jeffrey Jordan got injured at any point in the 90s during that playoff run, Chicago would not have been the beneficiary of six, six, count them, champions. You're absolutely correct. Uh, this year, 
there's just been a flurry of injuries. And I'll, and I'll add the Lakers to that list because AD from Chicago, Anthony Davis went down. I don't know if the Phoenix Suns would have gotten out of round one if AD was healthy. Anthony Davis with LeBron James. So that's true. You know, I don't even know if they got out of round one. I don't know uh, if the healthy Clippers against the healthy Lakers. I don't know. I look forward to that. I was looking forward to that for the Western Championship. Uh, and you're absolutely correct about the Nets. I kind of Kyrie Irving went down and Harden went down. So uh, yeah, you're right. You know, uh, KD left it all on the line. I mean, you know, you know, KD. God bless him. I mean, he showed why he's a true champion. I mean, he just couldn't do it by himself. You can't do it by yourself. You, you need to have to, you got to have a healthy team at the end of the, end of the season. You got to. Uh, so, yeah, I'm with you. I think the the Bucks will win. I'll be rooting for the Bucks. I love Chris Paul, uh, but my son-in-law is from Milwaukee. So for my son-in-law, Brian, I'm going to go with the Bucks. Uh, but next year, my beloved Bulls, okay? <laughs> I got my fingers crossed. <laughs> All right, Vincent, keep putting the pressure on uh, to get uh, uh, Richardson, uh, Shakari Richardson uh, in the, the Olympics. Uh, you know, I just I, think I, I do want. Can I can I say this real quick, man? I do want to shout out the the cannabis industry, the community. There's a lot of people that stepped up. Uh, GTI, Crisco Lab. Uh, Viola, Cookies, a lot of uh, in, you know people in the industry that stepped up and, and supported her. Normal, um, you know, MJBs, et cetera. And more importantly, um, you know, we need that. We need to show a strength in the industry. So uh, I do want to shout those people out that, uh, that took a stance. And also I want to send a message to Coca-Cola and some of the Olympic sponsors. Do the right thing. Do the Absolutely. Right thing. It's not only the right thing. Pull your money out. Yes. I'm with you 100%. And you know what? Uh, It would be the right thing to do to protect your money because you would have the greatest athletes running. But it's just, it's so hypocritical to kick her out of the Olympics for doing something that's completely legal in many of the states that you operate in. Uh, And that our government's, uh, that's funding our government right now. Like what kind of mixed message is that? Well, well, Mike, you feel Mike said that we're not going anywhere. We we 110 percent behind her, and and just a, an oversight of mistake that she made, and we support our 110 percent. So we need to hear that from more corporations. Cannabis, folks, is legal. It has great medical benefits. You know, and that's what it is. So I'll leave it at that. All right, Vincent, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Vincent E. Norman, uh, Marijuana Hall of Fame. Shout out to Dennis. (laughs) Dr. D, man, he had a tough one today, but he did a great job. Uh, Maya Dukmasova uh, was our earlier guest. That is Maya, and Vincent will tell you, we owe it all to the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom this show would be possible, who was really wheeling and dealing today. We had some issues, technical issues, but he got through it. And as Vincent and Maya will tell you, back home in Alton, they call him Dr. Doobie. Give yourself a raise, take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody.
don't just turn the car around. I don't want an answer. <laughs>